Hello, and welcome back to another episode of E Pluribus Unum, where we talk about what's going on in the U.S. with a little bit of decorum. This is our second episode and our second season. Uh, last season, I was privileged enough to have Hudson Allen on the show with us. And once again, he's uh, come to the mic to talk about what's going on in the U.S. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. It's going to be fun. Hey, Hudson. (laughs) 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 Well, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, things that should be very familiar to most of us. Uh, We'll be talking about COVID-19 and the way forward, Mm -hmm. uh, racial reconciliation in the U.S., and we'll be examining a splintered Congress. Uh, really excited to be doing this with you, Hudson. It's honestly a privilege and a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, don't flatter me too much. No, I think it'll be good. Um, these are all topics that I think a lot of people care about, and hopefully we can give some insights, and yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, awesome, great. So let's just jump in. I mean, 2020, am I right? <laughs> yeah, glad it's over. We're putting that behind us. It's in the past. Yeah, yeah. So last time I had you on the uh, on my show, I think we were we things looked so different. I mean, we had mm. a different president. Yeah. Uh, we were just I don't know, like just starting to get our heads around uh, the pandemic and quarantine yeah. and what that would mean. Um, I also probably was just starting senior year question mark yeah i think so it was last yeah it was either i can't remember when it was but yeah it was definitely like in the midst of all that turmoil and no one really i feel like a lot of people didn't really know what covid was even at that point yeah like it was definitely at that point in time where we were thinking about the election and all that stuff but covid was something that was over like not really in the u.s yet it was over in other countries so yeah, we weren't really worried about it, I guess, which was stupid on our part. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was definitely the mentality, I think, for a lot of Americans, which I feel like we take that mentality a lot. And it's, you know. Yeah, were you there actually? I think it, I was actually supposed to be heading out to London. And Tim had just got Tim Heath. Shout out to Tim. <laughs> Tim Heath had uh, actually just gotten back from Israel. And he was like, yeah, man, this is like really crazy. Like they're having you wear a mask in the airport. I was like, mask in the airport? Well, <laughs> give me one of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and he ended up like giving me like a couple of masks so that I could like get on the flight. This was before there was a requirement even. Really? Uh, yeah. It was like one of these like little blue surgical masks. Um, <laughs> thought it was really weird but interesting. But and yeah, that's that was the origin of our, our of our COVID understanding. Yeah, exactly. And then I remember you got left in the or no, you got trapped in that airport into DC, right? And you had to stay in DC for a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, I got trapped in New York. Actually. Oh New York, that's right. And then it. yeah, Leo had gotten us a flight out to uh, DC, mm-hmm. so I got to stay in a. Really nice luxury penthouse apartment for about a week while (laughs) the pandemic sort of worked itself around the states. Yeah, Um, that was one of honestly my first memories of COVID too was when you FaceTimed me because I was on a road trip with my buddies up to 
my house for spring break and i remember you facetiming and you were like i'm trapped in new york and i'm going to dc and i was like what's happening <laughs> like i had no like i was clearly out of the loop at that point in time and i was very yeah i was like wow okay the world yeah. is shutting down <laughs> yeah and obviously you know we've had an entire year to process uh one our initial reaction to covid mm -hmm. um i think it came as a shock to many of us and then to get a better understanding of the virus and uh now not only do we have light at the end of the tunnel i think that some of us are actually starting to rebuild which is pretty nice um we're starting to rebuild in such a way that we're almost returning to a state of normalcy and that's really exciting uh it's debatable how fast we're doing this uh recently governor uh abbott of texas had mm -hmm. made the announcement that the entire state would reopen uh, to 100% capacity. And I think that I was reading this just yesterday. Uh, the One of the Texas stadiums had opened up to 100% capacity and had like 38,000 people. Um, and this is, Jeez. you know, happening at the same time as the UK variant spreading rampantly, which uh, I want to pull this up actually. Uh, give me a second. I, I think that this is always helpful. Uh, yeah, the UK coronavirus variant uh, is actually more deadly than uh, the first uh, strand that we had or any really? of the other strands that we had. Uh, it's called the B117 coronavirus variant, and it was first identified in the UK. Eey, uh, that's not good you, news. <laughs> yeah, 64% more people are dying from this and so i just found that really interesting that the governor would then say yeah a hundred percent capacity you know everyone's not vaccinated yet but go <laughs> ahead do your thing and so yeah i'd like to hear your your thoughts on it because you're not just talking about and i think that we mentioned this uh either in one of our personal conversations or on a so, uh, on a separate podcast episode uh we're not just battling the uh, sort of health consequences of the virus. There's also economic consequences that uh, we're having to deal with simultaneously. And so I, I genuinely do get that. I mm -hmm. am here for business. I think that businesses yeah. are great. And I think that we need to do everything that we can to support uh, just enterprise. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. I, I, I find it I always find it difficult to sort of weigh the economic benefits with the life of another. And so, yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear your, hear your immediate response to yeah. Governor Abbott's decision. And where do you think we are? Yeah, I would say I was a little surprised by Governor Abbott's decision. I think it might have been, I would say premature for sure. I think in an ideal world, you have states opening up little by little and then kind of, I mean, that's how you do science, right? You you test something and then if that experiment's successful, you keep testing other things and you keep pushing the boundaries further and further until you, you know, collect all the data. Um, you don't, you know, you don't start with, you know, an atomic bomb right off the bat. You start with something smaller and then work your way up, right, as an example. And I think that's kind of, the way it should be handled with COVID where we should start slowly opening back up and then see what happens to the numbers. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like that was a little bit rash, 
um, on his part. Again, it's just one of those things where to open up the state completely, like there are definitely people that that puts in serious danger, like people who are in at-risk groups, older yeah. population. Um, you definitely have people with cardiovascular things. Um, there's a huge population of people that literally can't afford to get the COVID virus. And if they do, there are serious, I mean, you know, for you and me, right, if we get the COVID virus, the worst we're going to have is maybe like a couple of days off school, right? But like in terms of other people, and I think that's the bigger thing that we all need to be wary of is just because something doesn't affect me doesn't mean it doesn't affect a lot of other people. Yeah. Kind of like we, we were talking about earlier with like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Like just because that <laughs> virus, that that strain that's more deadly that you were talking about, the B1 whatever, um, is like as of right now relegated to London, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be thinking about it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because as we found out from before, like there's still a danger there. Yeah. So I think that's what I would say, yeah, mostly on that. And just for clarity, uh, for those who are listening, the B117 coronavirus strand that uh, originated out in the UK, um, as of this morning, it's been reported to uh, be in all 50 states. Um, so it's here. Oh, it's serious? Oh, crap. <laughs> it's a little bit more dangerous. And I don't say that, like, that's part of the issue. I don't say that to, like, you know, say, like, we need to, like, ring the alarm and be, like, super afraid and, like, you know, lock ourselves in. That's not at all the intention behind just saying it, but it just is to highlight the significance of what's going on in this moment mm -hmm. uh, to, like you said, use caution and r really come at it with a more scientific approach and not uh, just politicizing it and saying, you know what, our state's red and we're going to, you know, do what we want because that's what that's what America's all about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, we're like Americans. I love my freedom. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I also love it when people aren't dying yeah. uh, or, or getting Fair. sick. And not to say that everyone that catches it is going to die, but it's a, it's mm. part of the reality that we live in. And so I always think that, you know, like you said, to take calculated, uh, to take calculated steps in, in whatever it is that you're doing, uh, yeah. and have your solution reflect, uh, some level of meticulous thinking. Yeah, exactly. And not to, I mean, I lived in Texas, so I definitely am like fairly acquainted with the culture there and not to, um, I'm not trying to attack anyone, obviously, of but course, it definitely yeah. seemed stereotypical of Texas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if there were to, uh, to be a state that would open up like everything immediately before everyone else, I would guess Texas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's kind of like one of those things that was like not great, but also not unexpected. You know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. that's like that speaks to, you know, something there. But, uh, you know, again, I'm not trying to attack anyone. But like I said, I've lived there and like. It definitely, you know, that's kind of the Texas way. It's um, to do it's it. very, yeah, it's like very like gung ho. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, and I get it. Like I think the one thing we really need to do, whatever side you're on, like there need, does need to be some empathy for you know like small business owners. Like you talked about this. Like there is that component, but um, there is a way to open up states again and also protect our at risk populations. And I'm not sure like if I have all those answers, obviously, yeah. but I'm just saying there is definitely a way we can do both. And we have to find that middle ground between like, okay, our economy has definitely suffered and we need to make sure that it doesn't tank. Right. And that's something I feel like, you know, a lot more about than I do, but I definitely know that like COVID, you know, just in the past 
year has really done a number on small businesses. But on the other side of things, it's like people's lives are literally at stake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there are plenty of people. It's not just old people. I think we're finding out more and more as data comes out. There are a lot of people who are in that at risk category. You know, even like I have asthma and I would throw myself like partially in that at risk group just because yeah. like COVID does a lot to your lungs. Right. Yeah. And it definitely. So depending on your underlying conditions, like it's very serious. And I think we're to that point where most people realize that. I hope so. Um, but I would just say like for people that don't realize that this is serious for certain people groups, just like ask your friends, ask your family. Like a lot of people have lost loved ones. And I think there needs to be like a level of seriousness just in, in that respect. Like it's great for you if like you haven't had anyone, you haven't lost anyone to COVID. Like I'm so yeah. happy for you, but like that is not the case for a lot of people. And I think like there needs to be that sensitivity. And I, again, we're all for small businesses. I think you and I both, but there's a way to do both. I think. Yeah, Toe I would agree. Line. I would agree. I think uh, it was really interesting just looking at the response from uh, the governor of Alabama who said, you know, we are not actually there. And this is, you know, she's a Republican. She was born and raised in Alabama all of her life. You know, she is what it means to be uh, from the South, or at least she she takes on that, that persona. Mm -hmm. uh, and she quite plainly stated, in spite of, you know, Governor Abbott loosening up restrictions and Governor De DeSantis of Florida uh, saying that, yeah, we're not going to, like, do this. She, you know, <clears throat> cautioned Alabamans and said, you know what, I definitely want to, you know, follow follow in this way and open up but that's just not where we are yet mm -hmm. um so let's continue to do what we can to help people out um and i think one of the sort of one of the turning points for the pandemic has always been you know the production and distribution of a vaccine um and we now have i think yeah we have about four vaccines or I want to say three or four, actually. Let me, like, fact check myself real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I, I know there's... that uh, we have Moderna, Pfizer, uh, and Moderna, Pfizer. And then there's the Johnson. And, yes, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that leaves us with three, but I, I do know there's another one. There's one that there's, hasn't, I know what you're talking about. There's one that hasn't been like approved exactly, but there it's in the works and it's near, nearing completion. Yeah. I believe you're right on that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was reading about this earlier. Yeah. So we have vaccines available now. Yeah. Which is really great. <laughs> uh, Joe Biden went uh, on Easter Sunday to speak to the nation saying, you know, it's so good. We have at least 40% of Americans who have had their first shot, which Honestly, amazing. That's so cool. That's so great. We're nearing, you know, the end to, I mean, he, he broke his own record of having a hundred doses of vaccines uh, sent out to people within his first hundred days. Well, before he, I think it was like on the 53rd day or something that that announcement was made. Um, so there is light at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. uh, provided people get vaccinated. And I know that there's been a politic, there, there's, been a political emphasis with the vaccine as of late mm -hmm. um which is i don't know i find it interesting mm -hmm. because for so long i think that my my goal since the very beginning has been yeah let's get this under control so we could like worry about our businesses and like you know continue on with our lives and now we have like the key to you know continue on with life as normal and 
there's a lot of hesitancy and you know depending on the demographic that you're talking about that hesitancy the reasons behind the, that hesitancy changes um but i i just find that so fascinating that there's just a disregard for the vaccine right now you know yeah. what i mean mm -hmm. it's like if i like gave you a card and say here go ahead and spend it and you were still suspect of that yeah it's like i don't know what's it what's your take on it yeah i think there's it's so tricky there's two components to it for sure so obviously the first component is i think you have a lot of people discount how many um, how large the population of like anti-vax vaccine people there are out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there is a huge population of people who do not believe in vaccines. Don't give their kid, don't get their kids vaccinated when they're born. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like avoid, avoid immunizations on all those things at all costs, whether that's for religious reasons or otherwise. And I think part of that comes from some level of, um, just like ignorance is like a harsh word, but I, I would say that's a good word for it. There's um, like people not doing their research and just being afraid of like, oh, I'm putting something foreign into my body. But I mean, we all take, you know, Zyrtec or something like that for allergies. We all take some form of pills. Most of us do. And I think what people don't realize is even like their food, the things they're putting into their body. Like there are a lot of things we put into our body that are not natural at all. Um, so I guess that's one aspect of it. Just a lack of um, understanding of vaccines in general, how they yeah. work and things like that. Um, and so that's frustrating to me because I've talked to people. Um, I was even talking with a friend recently and they were saying, well, I just don't want to put something unnatural in my body. And I was like, well, if that's the standard, then you can like never go to a grocery store again. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And they were saying, well, it changes your genetics. And I was like, a lot of things change your genetics. Your genetics literally change on a daily basis. Um, this is something like I've studied a lot in my like biology classes. So it's just one of those things where a lot of like pushback I've heard from like uh, like about the uh, COVID vaccine is just like not founded in reality. Mm -hmm. um, but then I would say the other side of it is there are some things that have made me question and have to kind of research for myself. Like, is this the best idea to take this right now? Um, because so I just got hired at a hospital and they're offering me the COVID vaccine. Actually, and even the other day you texted me and said, yeah, you can come like, get the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, and I really wanted to. Um, but I realized I wasn't fully informed on it yet. So that's something I'm still like researching because the one aspect about the COVID vaccine. Um, so is that like after I got hired at the hospital, they were talking to me and they were like, yeah, it's recommended that you take it, but we're not forcing our employees to take it. And I was like, why? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was my first question. Like, this is a hospital. Why are you not forcing people to take it? And they said, well, it's not technically FDA approved yet. So that gave me a little hesitancy. I'm not going to lie. There was just a little bit of a part of me that was like, okay, the FDA is like, if, if you have the, you know, pharmacology community, the FDA is basically God in that, you know, yeah. in that whole yeah. like subdivision. So in my mind, if the FDA hasn't approved it yet, it definitely gives me some cause for concern. Now, granted, they haven't had enough time to, you know, the FDA has a lot of rigorous processes and I think that's good. And they also did um, do the emergency authorization, you know, where yeah. they said like, yes, take it. Um, we haven't fully approved it yet, but this is an emergency. So there's definitely like been a lot of, I think, data showing that it's probably fine. But at the same time, there's just a couple things that make it just makes this vaccine different because it was fast tracked. You know, it was developed in months where most like vaccines are developed over years. Um, and I think 
I get the cause for hesitancy, but I would just tell people like, rather than saying like, oh, this is suspicious and like, this seems kind of fishy, like just do your own research and make sure you're not going on YouTube or Wikipedia or, you know, some random URL that isn't secure. Like, you know, do your actual research, go on the CDC's website. Like they have all their ingredients, you know, they have like, they're very open about it. Like the scientific community is very open about things like vaccines. Um, You can literally get on any like any government website and find anything about pretty much any immunization you want they literally tell you every single molecule that's in those things so i think um like there just needs to be that level of like if you're going to challenge the vaccine like have a good reason for it and like do your homework because most of the challenges i've heard have been very like i just don't know if you understand like the science behind vaccines at like at a very minimal level so we can't really have a conversation (laughs) about does that make sense you know there has to be some like okay, I get how vaccines work and you have to give me a good reason why this vaccine's different from every other vaccine you've ever taken because most of us have had a lot of immunizations throughout our lives. You yeah, know? you know, and that's the part that just seems foreign to me. I mean, again, everyone at this point knows that I grew up and I was born and raised in New York and that was a requirement to go to school. Like you weren't right. allowed into the building if you didn't have like an immunization record yeah like you, you literally had to have it to like stay in school and if you didn't then <laughs> bye-bye you're not in yeah. school um, and so uh, obviously you know the culture and I, I think it's it's i mean there's a difference between like new york city and like upstate new york obviously uh as you travel like the sentiment towards vaccine changes a little bit the regulations around vaccines change a bit uh but that's always been I, I guess the standard for for me um and i i am very much aware that you know the world doesn't work the way that i've experienced it uh but i've i've always found that fascinating did you see the uh there was um a lot of people when they're getting their vaccines now as a joke they're saying just got my 5g there was like some there was a conspiracy <laughs> that you know the government's injecting people with like 5g <laughs> <laughs> like the like like cell service yeah <laughs> oh my gosh yeah okay see even things like that like just at a minimal level like i know it's a joke but at yeah. a minimal level like please just understand something about the science that goes into these things because it's like important you know what i mean if you're going to challenge a vaccine that could potentially like save us from an economic disaster like please just have something to back it up that's that's all i ask i i'm fine with people challenging things i think it's a good discourse to have but like people's lives are literally on the line so if you're going to challenge something this seriously like just have a good reason yeah that's my like that's my only thing because i've talked to people and i've been like okay I respect where you're coming from, you know, about issues like this. But it's like, this isn't an issue that we can really afford to just be like, no, I don't really feel like taking it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there are like, there is some level of urgency, I think, that needs to be accounted for. So Yeah, I agree with you. Well, thank you for uh, giving us some insight on, <laughs> Always I guess, a pleasure. The, uh, the, at, at the biological and medical level. Um, and so I guess like the next question is like the path forward. What does that what does that look like? How do you imagine it? I think that, you know, I'm really hopeful because of our vaccination rate that will be somewhat back to normal, at least in the, the U.S. Uh, by the end of the year. Uh, 
so hopefully then, I mean, I think I've even heard uh, that some schools are going to be bringing people back on campus without masks and without a, such a strict uh, COVID response. And that makes me really happy. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it makes me really happy because I'm, I mean, <laughs> I, I obviously like follow COVID guidelines, but it gets itchy having yeah. a mask on with a beard. <laughs> what, what do they all say? Maskne? Uh, that's my yeah. favorite one. You know, yeah. we have acne like right where the, yeah, I think path forward. I think, okay. So at a minimal level, at, at the most basic level, the way these things typically peter out without like assuming no, you know, big, like Development, crazy yeah. developments, like new strains, like new strains and things like that always throw like a kink in the works. But I would say the way this like naturally develops, barring all those things, is everybody either A, gets the vaccine, B, dies, or C... Um, it's morbid. <laughs> yeah, or C, gets it and they're fine, right? Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, those are the only three options. And I, I hate the B option because obviously, like, God forbid, let's hope that doesn't happen to any more people. Um, but realistically, you know, a lot of people have died from this. And so it's one of those things where... Um, once that happens, because obviously you're going to have those people who just refuse to take the vaccine and hopefully they're the ones who have already had it, you know what I mean? And have survived it because um, in order for her immunity to work, everyone needs to have the antibodies, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that's the way this should peter out is everyone gets the vaccine. Um, and then after that period, because there is still, I was reading, there's still a period after you get the vaccine where you can technically like transmit it if you mm -hmm. get it. Um, you can still be contagious, but after that period where everyone's gotten the vaccine and there's no more like transmission, um, or everybody already has the antibodies from having it, or they're dead, unfortunately, because, you know, they got it. And that's, you know, that's the case for a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, then that's when herd immunity can kind of take effect. And then, um, yeah, I think from there, I, I think you're right. I think like, why not? Like, open up campuses open up everything it slowly like i said we need to make sure yeah. like we need to make a the thing is is this doesn't work if we're like if 80 percent have the vaccine and 20 percent don't have like the antibodies or the vaccine right in order for, in order for herd immunity to work like we need to make sure like the whole population is on the same page um for the most part you know what i mean if we want to completely eradicate something you know um like when i think it was there was a disease back in the 1900s that was like completely wiped out. It's like no longer existent. And they had to give, you know, like everyone the vaccine and like they had to make sure that not even one person had it. And so it's one of those things if we want to get rid of, I, I have to go back and do my research because it's ridiculous that I don't remember it. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's a big one. It's one of only like two that have ever been completely eradicated, like diseases wise. Um, so yeah, I think we got to make sure that no one has it. And um that's through vaccines or you already have the antibodies things like that but yeah i just think barring like some crazy strain that the vaccine um can't handle then hopefully that's how that's like me being yeah. so optimistic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm trying to be i think just after the whole you know year that 2020 was like we got to be as optimistic as possible and like that's why i've honestly like i watched this i don't did you see that ad that google ran where they changed it was them going through and changing all their meetings like it said like like zoom meeting to like in-person meeting it was just an ad for google like yeah. like their calendar thing and like changing all their like um like 
yeah, everything that had online in front of it or like Zoom in front of it, they were like just cutting it out and saying like in person. And it like gave me so much hope. I was like, this is a Google ad and I'm about to yeah. cry. Yeah. <laughs> just because it was like, wow, like we are like on the cusp. And I do think we're close. I think yeah. a lot of people are saying that. Um, I don't think it's a pipe dream to say that like by the end of the year, we could be fine. But I think yeah. it honestly does depend on like people doing the right thing yeah and our response to our responsibility (laughs) exactly yeah i i definitely agree with you speaking about responsibilities i think that a lot of uh we've seen recently that a lot more people are speaking about their responsibility to not just fight uh the virus of covid but also fighting things like racism Mm -hmm. um so recently there has been a renewed discussion around what racism is um how we can fight that and in which demographics are particularly affected um unfortunately last summer we witnessed the murder of uh, george floyd by derek chauvinaugh who's currently uh in the middle of his trial uh and more recently than that incident, we've also experienced an uprise in uh, racially motivated attacks, specifically around uh, Asian Asian people. Um, and so, I've there there has been controversy as to whether or not uh, Asian people are specifically targeted or not. Um, and again, like many things, this has been another politicized issue. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested, I'm interested to hear what your take is on, uh, just racial tensions in the U S black, white, Asian, (laughs) Hispanic. I'm, I'm really interested in hearing that. Yeah. This is such a, um, okay. A little backstory. So, uh, this is a very like obviously as a white male this may like be weird for people but let me explain it this is like such a hard topic for me to talk about simply because like I can genuinely say I feel so much for these people like I don't know what it is I literally there is a um there's a YouTube video I watch uh like every week called um it's by this guy who does a lot of spoken words and it's Mm -hmm. called um prayer against racial divisions or something like that it's by low the poet it's a really good spoken word and it's just like his prayer for like christians but also just people in general to like really see people for who they are and not the color of their skin and i literally sob every time i watch it it's just such a like heart-wrenching thing to think that so many like just so many lives have been lost this year and just in general to like crimes that were literally only motivated by the color of someone's skin like I just it's something that like I still struggle with I think just thinking about and again like I personally am not I can say I've never been a victim of racism I really can say that um and that gives me like a level of privilege for sure but I can say that in terms of like where I can't empathize I could still sympathize I guess is what I would say you Mm -hmm. know I can't feel what those people have felt but I still like my heart just like hurts for them and I just think it's one of those things that I'm still genuinely confused about. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't know. There was just that whole thing, you know, last year. Where it was like, it's 2020, guys. Come on, like, what's going on? And that's kind of do, how I do feel. Like, why yeah. is this still a thing? It's something. But I also think it's something where um, I want to. Yeah, it's something I've been trying to understand. Like, I wish, I, I honestly wish, I know this sounds so weird. I wish I could sit someone down who is like, a purported racist and just ask them like why yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah because it's something i genuinely can't wrap my head around um 
And like, obviously I don't really have any friends who would say I'm a racist, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But like, I just, I'm so curious about that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like, I don't know. It's just not even something that crosses my mind half the time, like the color of someone's skin. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not trying to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, like, I don't see color. Yeah. <laughs> not anything like that. I'm just saying like, do people really look at someone else and be like, Oh, I have to like treat them differently because of, is it like a subconscious thing? Is it conscious? I don't know. And I also, okay. I actually have a question for you because this is something that's been really bothering me. And as like, um, you're obviously, you know, as a black man, I want to get your perspective on it. Um, have you heard about like the whole, like not white saviors movement of like black people calling out white people who are saying they're allies for like having this savior mentality. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? I'm yeah. curious like what you think about that because that is something that like really bothers me. Yeah, so there <laughs> used to be a thing called, and not used to, I mean, it's still very much a thing, uh, the white man's burden. Basically saying those who uh, find themselves in a, and I'm, I'm some of the language that I'm going to use is a bit archaic and obviously not, completely characteristic but uh those who found themselves to be part of white evangelical anglican communities um who lived in more developed nations then had the burden and responsibility to take care of all the uncivilized people groups uh so the immigrants and people other people of color um and i think that uh, that line of thinking can sometimes be conflated with people who genuinely, and I, I think, that, let me backtrack a little. I think that it's important to recognize that those folks that want, that stand uh, with people of color in solidarity and genuinely try mm-hmm. their hardest to, you know, do their best to uh, bring an end to racism. Uh, right. That should be something that's, uh, I'm 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 hesitant to use the word celebrated, but that should be acknowledged. Right. That should be something that you know is at least considered and said. Like, thank you for acknowledging the plight right. of you know of black and brown and other people of color. Um, it should be something that's celebrated and acknowledged and uh, at least said thank you to. Right. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. And then for the, if if it does, if if it does happen to be an issue of like, you know, I have a lot of pride that I'm helping out my poor brothers. Yeah. I think that's the mentality that really gets me. Yeah. Yeah. If that, if it, if that's the case. And I think that, you know, as, as an ally, you probably have friends who are, you know, black and brown and it's, yeah, you, your friends should be able to like help mirror that attitude towards you, and then you need to really have like a heart change. Yeah. Um, because y- your status as an ally shouldn't be uh, self fulfilling, meaning you feel good that you're helping out all of these disenfranchised poor yeah. people. Uh, but it should be a heart of humility that really comes from understanding yeah. the struggle that they're going through. Because I think, I, I think for me, and I, I, I thank you for that perspective because like it, it, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But for me, it's like being so proud that you're not racist is actually a form of racism in my opinion, because in my mind, it, it's like, you're saying like, Oh, like, look at me. I'm not racist, yeah. but that's like making it sound like racism is like something or being not racist is like a big deal. Like that's the bare minimum. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So like you should not be like patting yourself on the back. Like 
if I walk into a room and say like, guys, guess what? I'm not racist. Like no one should clap for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That is the bare minimum. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. saying like, guys, guess what? I'm not a serial killer. Like good for you. Like Thank we, you we hope yeah. Yeah, like, like you should not get a pat on the back for that. Like that's just the bare minimum. And I think so like there's some inherent racism, like underlying racism when you feel the need to be praised by the, um, by the you know by minority populations for not being racist yeah. right like that is just a very like in my opinion just a very prejudiced mentality and i think that's what bothers me so it's one of those things where i'm trying to like toe that line of yes i want to be an ally but also at the same time like these are issues that i can't again like i said i can't empathize but i can't sympathize so it's one of those things where i really do want to be there to learn and be there for um all my friends who are people of color and just the population at large. But at the same time, when it comes to the issue of racism, um, like I'm not like, like I said, like white people should not try to be saviors. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's the issue I'm running into. But like, like even with the, you know, the whole, with the um, George Floyd incident, like that horrible thing that we all remember that from last year. And then um, the, you know, the incident at the, um, and I hate to even use the word incident because it was literally a tra- tragedy. That's a much better word for it. The tragedies, um, the George Floyd tragedy, and then also what happened at the spa. Yeah. Um, like, these are horrible things that, um, like, there needs to be justice. I think that's Absolutely. what it comes down to. I think we were talking about reconciliation earlier. I yeah. think that's the biggest thing is, like, in order for racism to end, we need to have justice. I mean, we talk about, like, like Breonna Taylor. Like, that is one, like that so many people have said she never got justice. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think like as long as our um, system, our judicial system allows um, even like one crime to slip through the cracks, like racism's not gonna go away. Yeah. Because like it really does come down to when people commit hate crimes, they need to be punished. And, yeah. and we need to send the message as a country, like we are not okay with this. And I, like, that's why I think it's so frustrating to me because like that starts in our justice system. You know what I mean? Like you and I are, are sitting here talking about this, but we can't make laws. You know what I mean? Like we're college students, you know not what I'm yet. saying? <laughs> not yet, that's right. My boy here is gonna be a lawyer or something. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the people it starts with the people making the decisions and then goes trickles down to you know the people enforcing the laws right and i just think like these those are the people that need to be on board with this you know what i'm saying like those are the people that it's great for me to sit here and say like yes i support the movement yes i'm anti-racist but like we need to put pressure on our officials i think to like come out and make those stands too because they're the ones who at the end of the day are making policy and until yeah. we get to like you know kind of um, succeed them and fill those roles, and I hope I hope you and I both at some point in our lives get to like help make those decisions. That'd be yeah. cool. Um, I know you and I both like politics a lot, so it'd be cool to see. But until that day where younger people are kind of filling those shoes, we need to put a ton of pressure, I think, on our elected officials to be like, you know what, we're cutting this out. Like this is not okay. This never was okay. I don't know why like so many things have just been able to slip through the cracks but this is like ending now you know what i'm saying like and i think that's the big thing like we can talk about it all we want but like until people like stand up and i think people are starting to do that that's why i was like obviously the some of the protests were a little bit like i was like oh crap like people are getting hurt like i'm a little scared at the same time i'm like this is how things change right i think yeah you know what i'm saying like revolution like changes 
like the dynamic and when there's injustice like people are going to like rise up to some degree absolutely i believe that it was thomas jefferson who said this um but you know you should expect uh, for a revolution to happen. That's like the cornerstone of a democracy and it's what's going to keep people like myself I'm speaking extemporaneously for him, but people like my, this would this is the check on people like myself uh, to keep us accountable. And yeah, I, I think you're right. It's an unfortunate reality. And I think that it can be done civilly. I think that the, mm-hmm. the discourse needs to happen. We've and, always got Gandhi to look at. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think that we're starting to notice this, especially as it relates to uh, our very splintered Congress. Uh, I think right before the show, you and I were talking uh, about both political parties and the apparent divisions that are happening within both. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have an emergent. Yeah, I'm, I was going to change what I was saying, but I think it's still appropriate to say that they're emergent and not uh, the they're not discrete organizations and parties in and of themselves just yet. But you have emergent uh, parties within our two major parties. Uh, you have mm. the rise of uh, Trumpians or tr- folks who follow uh, and fall in line with Trump uh, ideology and rhetoric. And then on the other end of things, you have uh, the new democratic socialists. And I think that mm-hmm. that's, that's exactly how they would identify uh, themselves. And so uh it's interesting to just watch this splintering happen and become so much more apparent. Um, I think about four years ago, that would not have been the case, but uh, it is right now. And just briefly, because we only have a couple more minutes left, um, how how is your interaction between uh, those two new emergent parties been like? I'm sure, I mean, we live right now <laughs> in rural Georgia and there's yeah. not very many... Uh, democratic socialists but we definitely get our like fill of that yeah um, and on the other end as well of our our new trumpians yeah i would say i'm so okay i know hot take whatever yeah. <laughs> i feel like i have a lot of hot takes and um we yeah that's it. yeah that's just like my i don't know how to explain it i don't i don't fall into clean like categories when it comes to politics because yeah. i just i don't believe in that whole idea of like I have to agree with everyone on every issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, um, of course. You know, obviously, like, with any, like, every election that we go through, I'm like, mm, I like this and this. Can I just, like, mush five candidates together? And that would yeah. be my, the policy I want. Um, but, no, uh, I think, yeah, I'm just so against the idea of political parties, I think, at this point, in certain aspects, obviously. Like, I think it's good for people to group together who are of similar mindsets. But the problem you have with this whole red and blue divide is, like, like you're even talking about like it's almost like it's it's not a real thing because like not everyone uh, on the democrat side thinks the same and not everyone on the republican side thinks the same so it gives the people this false narrative that they can just go to the ballot box and check off like okay blue 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 and they're voting like all these people are gonna have the same policies yeah i feel like it gives people a reason to be lazy with like yeah. this two-party system and that's why I would honestly like to see some of these smaller factions breaking off and to have more diversity um, amongst the political parties. Because I just think it's one of those things where we've gotten into this us versus them men- mindset because of the way um, 
the parties are marketed, I guess, to mm-hmm. the American people. And like, I know plenty of people who literally just vote red or blue down the line. They don't read anything. And I think uh, if the general population is not going to be informed, that's when democracy breaks down, right? Yeah. Because it's riding on us. Like, yeah. we, we try to say, like, no, it's like our politicians. Literally, we make the decisions. We're the ones making the elections, you know, voting. Like, so we, I mean, uh, granted, they get to make the decisions once we vote them in, but ultimately, the people have the power. And if the people are misinformed, then we're going to elect the wrong people. And I just think, like, it's just this trickle-down effect we're seeing that started with us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then it's this vicious cycle of you know, we elect politicians with bad policies and then it just, and those bad policies affect us and they, you know, so I think, yeah, I think that's my take on, I just hate, I just hate parties. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right in highlighting that. Um, but again, I thank you so much for coming on. I mean, we spoke about a lot. Today. Yeah, we did. Sort of <laughs> I'm a little bit of a windbag. Nice. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was good. I, I really, I really appreciate the insight. Of course. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining our show again. Um, and we look forward to having you again. Yeah. Uh, so stay tuned for our next episode. We have just a few more left for this semester. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you on the other end. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Yes, sir.